Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Holy cow! Back again, and in this time in full uniform. What you think so about much extra uniform? We I am put, in full, full uniform. We right put now. Katie <laughs> in uh, in the jacket from the guy from uh, David Byrne of Talking Heads fame. <laughs> Watching the days go. You know what? That's probably in a reference way over your kids' head. I should probably stop doing that. All my pop culture references are easily older than Katie, so I should really knock it off. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, hey, we're back. Uh, this is episode 83 of the uh, Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Quick plug for the network. You can find all of our shows by subscribing to the Secret Friends Unite uh, podcast feed on the podcast streamer of your choice. You get this great program where we talk about Star Trek. You also get Secret Friends Unite Prime, Todd Oxford and myself for the last nine years talking uh, talking about geek stuff, being your guide to the geek side, video games with co-op mode, and Star Wars with the Holocron Chronicles. All right, plug over. I am here with my esteemed colleagues. That would be Mr. Peter Stein, uh, representing Operations Division. Hey, everybody. It, that is if you're watching on our YouTube channel, which you should be. Peter, I, I can't see your rank. What do you what do you oh, flying it's there. today? I'm I'm flying Lieutenant JG. Oh, he's going by his club ranks. Good deal. And then we have the Pipless Crewman uh, uh, Medical slash Science Division. That would be Katie Q. Katie, how are you? I am good. Good deal. I, I am angry. Charlie, how dare you make me watch this movie? <laughs> I, I am going to. I'm going to go full Palpatine into go. Good, good. We will funnel your your anger into some wonderful, wonderful content creating. I, of course, am Fleet Captain Charles Carden, uh, your Trek Lord of West Michigan, your kindly Trek servant, and we're going to talk about some Star Trek today. We not only have two great episodes of Lower Decks to reflect upon, uh, but we're also going to, and the reason that Peter suggested we all get into uniform, Peter and I had our own uh, nemesis uniforms, and we cobbled together what you see Katie wearing, including the comically gigantic jacket she's wearing. Um, but why I can never buy a cosplay outfit off the shelf. I know. Well, it really works that you're sitting in a chair and don't have to move that much so that no. part of it is absolutely <laughs> perfect but eventually we'll if we find something for you we'll get it over to uh, mia who's our, our kind of our club seamstress and she'll she, she can help out she's uh, did an amazing job on my strange new world cosplay oh. right so when we finally are able to release uh, photos of that you will see me in as a brunette and mm. rocking, uh, my Unichin Riley costume. We're also really looking forward to assuming that we're all at Grand Rapids Comic Con next month, having the three of us together in a photo booth and doing some nice promo shots potentially for this podcast. So we will we will see more news on that. But anyway, don't want to uh, get too deep into the rabbit hole of uh, promoting self promoting. Um, so let's jump right on in and talk about uh, episode five of season three of Lower Decks. Uh, Peter, you're up first. The, and these descriptions are really leave a lot to the imagination because they're like, blah, 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 this thing happened. Boop. But anyway, yeah, it's yours. They're pretty, pretty brief. So season three, episode five, Reflections. Mariner and Boimler work the Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair. Rutherford challenges himself. Oh, what That's a great very, episode. Very vague, but yes. What a, what a vague, great description of what I thought was a great episode that really balanced uh, to me, something you don't see a lot of in Lower Decks, which is doing some um, some kind of world building within the show. That you're like, all right, well, when we met Rutherford, he was an ensign, he came on board, he's half. It's funny, in this episode, as they have to work on his bits and they take off the top of his skull, he has Soong-type android parts. He's got Data's little blinky Christmas lights in the white dome, so I'm like... He's like a little proto data. I thought that was something I noticed when I was rewatching it again this morning. But it was really cool. Yeah, he's having malfunctions, and so he starts mm -hmm. having memories and stuff. And that was that was great. And it was a little. It was certainly a little bit more serious, but um, yeah. gave us uh, a, a lot of cute little Easter eggs in that we got to see um, 
the cadet uniform that you saw featured in uh, DS9, although that little mm-hmm. costuming error, his undershirt should have been the kind of... Uh, uh, kind of the gray under. I, I'm trying to remember correctly. Is it? Did they wear kind of the the DS or the uh, the Voyager undershirts with that one, Peter? If I remember correctly, I when you saw so. like the cadets, like in the episode, um, the hell was the, the the Valiant in season six of DS Nine when they had those Red Squad cadets? They wasn't didn't, it? A, you didn't a really j- see undershirts. They may have had like a little bit of a black clip underneath. Yeah, but, I'm trying to remember. Mostly, have, it was just it was just kind of yeah. a TNG collar. Yeah, it, right. They exactly. Really, they didn't really switch over to this where it's a two-piece they just right just exactly but again minor minor nitpick and i love that we got we got to see romulan d derrick class warbird we got to see the delta flyer which god i love the delta flyer boy i would love to see <laughs> the delta flyer make a comeback um but more to the point um so that was as i said kind of the serious part of the episode the the, the typically you know comic more run affair was Working, uh, working essentially a booth at a trade show, uh, doing Starfleet yes. recruiting. Oh my God! Uh, you know what? I've done all the talking, Katie. What What did you think about that bit? I thought it was absolutely hilarious, and like I liked the I, I liked the stuff with Rutherford. I thought that was good. I was like, cool, getting some Rutherford background. But I honestly could have had an entire episode of them just <laughs> at this booth. Especially watching Boimler just absolutely freaking lose it. It was absolutely amazing. And it really is such a great thing because there is like that kind of like critics of Star Trek are like, oh, it's not an exploration show. It's, you know, they're just like a bunch of war mongers. And he's sitting there like screaming at people. Did you want to be taken over by the Borg? Did you want to be taken over by the Romulans? We don't want to do this. We just want to look at our science stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. That's really what the crux of Starfleet is. They get, they get shoved into all these situations. And Katie, I know you're not crazy about enterprise, but it's the show kind of starts at Peter. You can attest to this. We just finished talking about uh, season two of enterprise not that long ago, they go out there in that first episode, they're like, DDD, space exploration, and immediately run into hostile aliens, hostile, more hostile aliens, pissing people off, doing, so everybody wants to kill them. That's just the way stuff is. It's not like they can say, well, we're just going to go back to Earth, and I guess we shouldn't be out here. Well, no, how many be- times has Kirk, Picard, Janeway, Cisco, like, they drop out of warp, someone shows up, and like, we are from the United Federation of Planets on a peaceful <laughs> mission of exploration, and then someone starts shooting. Like, uh, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of how it works. But it I also thought it was funny how it's like, hey, let's have a constellation class on here, even though, like, that's probably not in service anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. The, the on, on the table. Yeah. So. The original Stargazer. And then they had a table of pads. So that is a, that is a great design. Just the one that because like uh, Starfleet International SFI, who is the, the greater organization of which Grand Petoskey, our chapter is a part of, they have their own logo and material. And that's all fine and good. But when we do our shows, like we're going to be doing, as I said, Grand Rapids Comic Con next mm-hmm. month in November, the How to Halloween in Lansing a little bit later on here in October, we we do more stuff promoting our chapter but we don't have we don't have a like a pop-up tent thing happening even though that would be super cool because we do mostly we we do stuff inside there is a show in the state uh over in monroe michigan called the monroe pop fest it's usually in september we passed on it this year because april and i didn't own a a pop-up canopy we just actually bought one for this toy show that we worked here in grand rapids locally yesterday so how fun would it be if i could through vista print or something get that, you know, Starfleet and then get just a straight up Starfleet tablecloth and just have if Paramount that. is on their, you know, franchising on game yeah. on their marketing game. They'll, they'll right. start making, I mean, that tends, it tends, yeah. it tends. Holy cow. We're having a rough day. We got dumped twice, uh, with this audio. So, uh, we're going to jump forward to episode six and hope it doesn't happen again. So fingers crossed. Um, there might be a weird moment in the audio where I did upload me. I'm just by myself going, so, hey, guys, everybody was kicked, and now I'm alone on the bridge. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. It's, it, mine didn't. Yeah, you're right. We'll, we'll see We'll see if that turns out. Okay, so uh, episode six is yours, Katie. Let's get everybody fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. The Cer- uh, episode six is all here. Trust nothing. The Cerritos crew unexpectedly spends a day on Deep Space Nine. And as I was saying previously um i just absolutely loved all of the cameos in here and like i said it's very much a love of star trek and you can tell that these folks absolutely love star trek with just their treatment of deep space nine and how they're making fun of all of the fun things that 
vans like to make fun of. And it just is all Bar, around the time. Yeah. Hanging it's, on the promenade and dangling right. your legs over. Oh, yeah, there. I love that. It was, yeah, yeah, the, I need to stop and talk to a re- suspicious the, reporter. The junior, yeah, the, ju- <laughs> the junior birdman. I like, you know, as I was saying before, and, and what is now our lost track, because we're now on the third recording of this episode in, in, in segments. <laughs> recording two is like 30 seconds. So we'll go from recording one to recording three. It's going to be a little jarring, but just stick with us. Um, but I was love. I was saying I, I loved Shaq's uh, with Kira. And the fact that they were kind of, well, you said, well, they were kind of reverse. Katie said before they were kind of reverse one-upping each other. They were one-downing each other, which is what I've chosen to call this episode, which I love. But it, it was the old, you know, trope in, in any show like, okay, we're from this huge universe, but somehow we know each other. Um, but, they, no, they, they did well with that. You know, they were both in the resistance, and they kind of cobbled that together. And I think that that was pretty sweet. Um, but, but it was fun, and it felt like kind of gave me shades of, you know, Quark scamming or like, do you remember that episode? What was it? Katie, we talked about in DS9 in season two. It was the one with the guy. He was also an Elorian. It was Chris Sarandon, the actor. Oh, yeah, with the good luck. Yeah. It looked, oh, that's, that. what, that's, <laughs> that's what the device looked like that they checked at um, Quark's replicator to make yes, it shut that down. Is, that is, originally when they... When the guy opened the jacket, I was like, oh, no, it's not one of those, is it? What, the, the, what were they, kind of luck machines or whatever it is? Yeah. yeah, although it was very much, again, I feel like they did that kind of on purpose because it was kind right. of playing to that a absurdity of the, all of the stuff that happened at Quarks and DS9 and all of right. the weird illusionaries. Yeah. Like, right. And then the, 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 the B story of this, which flowed really nicely into the A story, was the... Um, What's the the as we find out a quite a a, a fake uh, Orion bro uh, who is like who do they bump into the bar at Quarks? Plus, I love we haven't even talked about how the fact that Quarks is now like uh, it's franchise like, with it's gift like, shops. It's and- like TGI yes. McFriday or TGI McScratchies to use a Simpsons reference, right. you know. But uh, yeah, it's like it's uh, it's Applebee's basically. It's it's yeah. it's the Star Trek Applebee's now changing the name of the episode to Star Trek's Applebee's, um, and I mean that's absolutely fantastic. And it's perfect. Um, I would actually say it's more of a Cracker Barrel because the Cracker Barrel is the one with the gift shop and like all of okay. the tchotchkes in the front. <laughs> Star Trek Cracker Barrel it is. And of course I spelled it wrong, but thank God for uh, for spell correct. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, but yeah, the uh, the fake Orion guy who was like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 Pirates of Intensity. Like, Ohio. Oh. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm from Cincinnati. At the end of it, they finally break him down and figure out he's a big phony. But then Tendy goes into, and we got a big taste of that last season. The fact that she is, she's basically Orion pirate royalty. And when she decides to break it out, like, get the fuck out of the way. She's, she's terrifying. She's taking the guy's gold tooth. And that's how she gets through the security door. And oh my goodness, a lot of crazy shit going on. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, it was just I I, I absolutely loved it, it was hands down. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, yeah, and definitely I definitely one of my favorites so far. Yeah, and I was also yeah. just really, really happy to hear Quark again. Yeah, and they got yeah. all of the they got all of the Quark tropes, all yeah. of them. It was amazing there. that they were able to fit all of them into the episode without it feeling like constrained or forced. or or forced like it didn't right. feel forced but they managed like they got his screeching in they got him <laughs> right being annoying to people at the bar him bargaining with people who have something over his head him filching right. something standing right. in the brig and mocking someone in the brig getting right. screwed in a deal yeah. and then in the end quoting a rule of acquisition like they got oh, everything that right. it was, does it, it, was your, it, it was amazing. your it was your quark's checklist it was it was hands down yes. so um so yeah that should be the name of the episode is quark's checklist oh you bet changing it right now i'm also <laughs> i i also keep going back to zencaster to make sure that it's not going to kick us out again but uh Oh my god! This is the most um, episode Jim Quark's checklist. Um, this is the most um, episode name changing I've done since we've been doing the show together. We just keep coming up with good ones. Um, so anyway, to vamp a little extra time because we lost a chunk in segment two. Um, so now we're more than halfway through the season. We, we know we have the Veritas two episode coming up, uh, the holodeck episode, in, I think segment eight. Um, so we've got we've got now seven, eight, nine, ten. We got four episodes left. So. Where do you think things are going to end up? My big prediction is that at the end of the season, we're going to get the super then quickly resolved in the beginning of season four of Mariner leaves Starfleet to become an archaeologist and hang out with what's her ass. That, that's my that's my big end of the season 
prediction. I don't necessarily know that we'll see other parts of that. Like, oh, they'll keep checking in or they're going to keep talking. Um, but yeah, my my vibe is in episode 10. Things are going to go in that direction. So what do you guys think? I could see that happening. I would like to see it if it's not immediately resolved in the season four, if it does happen, where we get a little bit of like back and forth, kind of like we did with Boimler and the Titan. Um, right. At the beginning of season two, where it's that little bit of back and forth, because I think that if she is going to be doing that, it's going to be more of a character struggle for her to come yeah. back to Starfleet. Right. Um, just so that she, like, because she's very much kind of pro and anti Starfleet in a lot of different ways. So I think her getting a new taste for something else and maybe doing the exploration and all of that fun stuff that she likes to do. Right. But I think it might also be something where you see that kind of maybe come to head in the finale and her deciding not to do that. Right. Rather than her having to leave and then come back because it does feel like the growth for her has been her realizing that Starfleet isn't as goody two shoe by the book, you know, critical as she thought it was. I like that. You're right. It, it would take the least, the more predictable path because what I described seems like it's like, ah, oh, they're teeing, they're, they're really, you know, they're teeing it up. They're tossing a softball and maybe they'll go in a different direction. I like that. Peter, what do you think? What do you think we've, we've got to see between now and the end of the season? Um, well, I like both of those ideas. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. You're right. Either, but, one um, could, either one could be great. I, I think that we're going to see another like big ish cameo near the end. Um, I don't know who it's going to be, obviously, but I think yeah. that they're going to bring one more person, kind of like how like they sneaked Riker into the end of one, right? And who did they? I don't think they put anyone at the it was, end. It was, it was, well, it was Riker and Troy. Riker and Troy were in, right. at the end of one, and they were in the beginning of two. They didn't really sneak a big cameo in the end of season right. two, but well, no, they did. It was um, Gomez. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut, but she was there. Uh, not so, much. Did, yeah, still. Um, but I, I suspect we'll see another Trek name. It would be kind of fun. I I do wonder because they've been hinting, they've been dropping it a bunch if we're going to get some sort of mirror universe, something or other. Um, right. Which could be entertaining. Right. Just once. Um, I know some people are like, oh, the mirror universe is overused. Okay, okay, but in all fairness, but, that's what again would make it so great is because it's another one of those tropes that look right. Like it's a trope that you could like bring place. in and yeah. turn on its head and make it ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, it, no, it look, could be entertaining. So I honestly well. don't really know what they're going for at this yeah. point, but I think yeah, that they're right? just they're going to have some goofy stuff in store for us, and right, maybe we'll see that bit with yeah. Mariner. It's and, what they you know, do. So. It's what they do. All right. Well, we're leaving the fun part of the program and we're getting into the, the unfun part of the program. Because it's like she's doing the crack in her knuckles, turning on the caps lock. I think Katie's just going to go nuts. But let me let me try to let me try to master the chaos. By I tried least. to, like, look for some good things so that I could say something positive a few times. It might happen. Let me at least. Uh, I'm going to try to blast through portions of this synopsis uh, to just kind of set the Even stage. The so, synopsis is long. <laughs> uh, the synopsis will, I, has a whole bunch of stuff about okay. like. I, yeah, I, like I real world. Start, yeah, I do want to start with just throwing out a trigger warning for anyone because we are going to be talking about sexual assault. Fair, so, very fair. Thank you. I just no, put that out. There. It is a theme in the film, so yeah, yeah, yes. big time for some fucking reason. Okay, oh. but I'm going to leave that. wind up all right we are going to be talking about uh 2002's star trek nemesis uh again this was the fourth and final uh film to start the cast of star trek the next generation a bunch of characters we absolutely love uh was written by john logan who was uh, an industry you know a well-known industry name at that time for being a producer and writer and director uh in the scene for probably two decades prior uh brent spiner actually had part writing in it and then rick berman and I think this was pretty close to another nail in the coffin for Rick Berman. <laughs> I mean, he gave us this and then he gave us These Are the Voyages, which is the finale of Enterprise. And it was just like, fuck you, dude. We're done with you forever. But at, at any rate. He apologized for that one. You're right. The apologies for this film. It's been 20 years. We still haven't seen him. This is, I believe this was a holiday film. So we are actually nearing the 
the yes the it was i remember seeing the trailers at uh thanksgiving and being right. like oh they're gonna destroy the enterprise oh no this oh no so original was, thank you um but at any rate film is set in the 24th century uh after the end of star trek voyager which of course does end up giving us a cameo from a very little cameo from uh, kate mulgrew as a now admiral janeway but anyway the plot of the film uh, as the Enterprise E ends up having to go to Romulus uh, to meet uh, a new ruler who ends up being human, who also ends up being a clone of Captain Picard, uh, who's taking control of the Enterprise, uh, or excuse me, the Romulus starting through a coup d'etat. Uh, and thus began the obsession with the Romulans that still has not ended. Exactly. So, yeah, the film. Don't get me wrong. Come- I love Romulans. Right. But holy crap, guys. Yeah. Let them be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're kind of like, to me, it's kind of like the Borg. I'm done with the Borg for a good long while, not only after Voyager, but certainly after Picard season two. But I digress. I want to get to, I want to keep one hand on the wheel here. Uh, the film did come out in, on December 13th of 02. Generally mixed reviews and publications criticizing it for being the least successful of the franchise. For I think reason. that I think that's true. Um, it made 67 million dollars worldwide against the 60 million dollar budget which is out for a huge franchise for sure um this caused plans for another film to be dumped and then the series was rebooted into the jj verse uh and star trek picard is considered to be a continuation and uh we will see a true finale of those characters in season three of that show so see the next attempt we'll see if it lands we absolutely will uh my format is and i I think the first round of this is going to be very brief highs lows and legacy um the highs are easy to answer the legacy is easy to answer the lows is going to be kind of the middle part so let's at the very least i do have a good high for this one though we'll start with peter giving us a high uh so so go ahead please I do have to say that this film opened strongly. I say Brett Spinner singing Blue Skies. I was like, no, no, not that. No, not, not that. That's, that's a decent scene. No, how it, how it opens with like the the mitosis, kind of the idea of cloning. And then all of a sudden you have that big old pan down past Remus to the capital of Romulus. And that whole bit where you're like, oh shit, the Romulan Senate is destroyed. What the hell is going to happen? One of the best cold opens outside of Praxis and right and yeah, the four green yeah, sequence right. in First Contact. Like right. this, very like, strong. This Out is a gate, you're like, fantastic mm. opening sequence. Yeah, and then it yeah. begins to go downhill. Right, and like you said, t- uh, transitions into the wedding. We like get the wedding's good too. Yeah, we like, get. To, I, I yeah, I would say you get that we've to, been waiting for for you know. For, yeah, years. for instance, so you start, like my fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you get you get some nice interplay and humor. You get a cameo mm-hmm. from Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, where so twenty three is my limit talking about marriages, yeah. which is hilarious. Oh. Yeah, for, oh. yeah, further further adds to the humor of that character. War from oh, Rami Ale should be illegal. No, ex- no explanation of why later in the film Worf is part of the crew of the Enterprise again. Because when we lost saw him, DS Nine was ending. He left Starfleet to be the Federation ambassador. In- Insurrection Kronos. had guess- the same issue too. G- yeah, but- guess that didn't work out. He he like got fired from that job. So he's like, well, Starfleet will take me back with no promotion, and I'm still wearing a red uniform for some reason, even though I'm the security guy again. No big explanation mm-hmm. for that. Um, but I would say I'm with Peter if I was to transition to talk about highs. That opening sequence, so much promise. It's it's the horse right out the gate that immediately trips over something and breaks all four of his legs. Sorry. <laughs> so, sorry to pick on horses. Sorry to make the glue factory analogy. But that is really where things go very quickly. Um, but – I did. I love the singing and I love, but yeah, once we, once we leave earth and we're on the ship, I think we're in bad shape. So Katie, do you have anything? I mean, honestly, uh, I think positive if I could just say one more thing. Okay. One more. I think that honestly, the film really starts to trip up after you meet Shinzon. Like before that, I mean, the B plot with B4 is still kind of a dumpster, but like, the lead up to that is still kind of okay. We're like, okay, we're leading up. There might be something interesting. But then once you get to Shinzon, that's when it drops, I think. Right. He's a clone and he's dying and he needs your DNA, but he's yeah. also crazy. The, yeah. The scope of, you know, undiscovered country levels of galactic right. import and then right. shrink it down to a personal right. vendetta. And that's exactly. really where at least the A plot flops. 
for right. me. Mm-hmm. True, true. Yeah. All right, Katie, so, so, something good. And if you don't have it, you don't have it, but go so, for it. Oh, no, no. And I would totally agree. Like I got to through the wedding scene and I was honestly confused as to why I was like, if this movie just keeps with this kind of Star Trek TNG feel, like I don't see what the problem is. This seems like it's just kind of good fun antics, you know. Mm-hmm. Good, clean fun. Now, had you had you you'd, you had you not seen the film before, or I you just didn't remember? Oh, okay, that I that I didn't so, know. I was expecting because you know everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, Nemesis, Nemesis is horrible. Is yeah. So I was expecting an absolute dumpster fire, and so watching it, I honestly like it was definitely like I was surprised to see Tom Hardy, and I was like. Good. Yeah, that, that put his career in the dumpster for a while. Yeah. It's kind of sad. I didn't think he did a bad job, honestly. Mm-mm. No, he didn't. Like, he I did a fine job. Good. And I thought that it, like the A and B plot, while they definitely faltered in a lot of places, there was that duality that TNG was kind of known for of showing, mm-hmm. like, you know, you have Data and Before as dual characters that completely identical except for in memory. So Data implants his memories to try to make them. And then there's that whole conversation between Data and Jordy of, well, what makes him an individual? And are you making him yourself by giving him yep. your memories? Mm-hmm. And then you have the opposite going on with, you know, Picard and Shinzon of, we have the exact same DNA. It's just our experiences that have made us different. So how different are we? What makes you mm-hmm. who you are? So yeah. I was and like, that was an interesting story that they picked yeah, up. Incredibly interesting. So I thought I was, you know, halfway through the movie, I'm like, you know, I don't actually think this is that bad. I think that Tom Hardy's doing a really good job. He's holding his weight with Picard and with mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart, which is a thing to say. Uh, definitely. On screen. Um, and then we got to my low. Okay. And Katie, let, we'll flip the script and we'll do it in reverse. We'll go you, Peter, me. Um, because I feel like, without a doubt, you have more to say about this than any of us. So please. I have a lot to say about this. Okay. So. This could end up being one of our longest episodes, even though we lost eight <laughs> minutes of it. But yeah. yeah. Exactly. So please so, go go for it. I, I'm even going to mute myself. There you go. I was honestly immediately pissed by the portrayal of Hardy or of Shinzon just because they immediately did the kind of semi-homophobic. He is androgynous. He's wearing like very skin tight, very kind of presenting himself as kind of like gay vibes, but immediately starts kind of objectifying and getting real too close to Troy where then Riker is immediately, Oh, she's mine going over to kind of like protect his property type of deal. Luckily, Picard does step in and is like, hey, that's not what we're here for. So I was like, okay, that's weird. Then all of a sudden, um, the Remans have some sort of psychic link and they are they are interjecting a random sex scene between Riker and Troy. And I was like, okay, random sex scene. Cool. They're married. Give the people what they want, I guess, because we have been waiting 15 years for them to have a relationship. Don't need this, but Okay only to have Shinzon show up halfway through intercourse so that he can sexually assault Troy as she is crying and saying no and trying to put herself out of her own head, completely disassociating, like classic sexual assault victim mentality, understandably so. And she finally pushes him off. Riker's just looking confused, like, what's wrong? And I'm like... Obviously, she's very upset. Why are you like something obviously happened and you're just sitting there confused? Picard completely just. That's the worst. That's what Peter and I were. Yeah. I went ballistic when he was like, no, you're not able to. And even her reasoning, which was I am a liability, not I was just sexually assaulted at time because you can tell she is an emotional and mental disaster. Which again. understandably so and he literally tells her that she needs to subject herself to more assault because he needs her there i was like that's first off that is not something picard would do right exactly it's a lot of that in this film to his behavior i was so pissed and the fact that her like i guess getting back at his at the uh advisor the viceroy the viceroy the uh it was ron perlman actually it was hellboy yeah yeah so her way of getting back was to relive her trauma and have to reconnect with him and so she could find out where the ship was 
only to have Riker actually be able to get the catharsis of killing him, which, because, you know, obviously because that guy had assaulted his wife, he's the one who gets to take the victory lap on that. Like it was everything about it was just, this is very clearly coming from a male perspective as far as what men think that sexual assault is like and what they think is vindictive and how catharsis would happen. It was just an absolute utter disaster and totally ruined the movie for me where I was going to come in as an advocate for this movie up until that point, And I was just absolutely floored by it. And then Troy's like comments as far as like the fight that she had to have for her pay and for her like availability and just all of her rights on this set also pissed me off. And the fact that they were like, well, we'll just replace you with Oh, I see. I didn't. I didn't even really know that much about it. I know that there was a Jerry Ryan cameo that was thrown around, uh, but I also know. I also, you know, it ended up being Kate Mulgrew. I also know those two actresses really didn't get along during the production of Voyager. Um, yeah. I, I, I hadn't. You know, you've done a little bit more reading into the controversy. I have my thoughts on some of the controversies, which I'll say for my portion. But that I did not. I'll tell you, I did not know about. Yeah, and also the fact that they had Shinzan. Like it was the emotional. He was the emotional one as the villain where he literally says the only thing he has are his personal experiences and emotion to go off of where Picard's like, well, I have experience and logic on my side. And I'm like, it was just kind of that whole like feminizing the villain to Mm -hmm. show him as evil. And it just, that part really, all right. I will get off my soapbox. No, that's okay. That's that's exactly, (laughs) that's exactly why we're here to talk about it. And your perspective is incredibly unique. You're the woman on this show. You you have a female I perspective. I am presenting. I guess. Yes. No, and it's something yeah. that Peter and I, Peter and I, not only don't have, but we also have. You know, I have 20 years from watching this. Peter, you saw it when it came out as well. So we've had 20 years to fucking stew about how much we hate this movie. <laughs> you have basically 20 minutes. Yes. Uh, but, no, but you're. But the way that you're coming out and representing this is this is invaluable because us. Uh, Peter, and again, I know I don't necessarily want to speak for you and you're going next, but we uh, basically have our Trek-based nitpicks that potentially overall story, like, this is shitty, but even like, well, the, you said it best, Picard wouldn't do this. That's not his character. That's what I'm going to speak to after Peter goes, because I have some thoughts about that. Yeah, and there were definitely those moments, like their entire interaction with the first planet, where they just started like running and gunning and showing, I'm like, this is not first contact or prime directive at all, right. but I guess like... That way I was kind of able, I'm like, okay, movie, they want it to be action-packed, okay, whatever. Yeah, it was, yeah. Peter, I'm going to interrupt you and Adam. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There is a 50% success rate with any of Sung's androids at this point, because the last android they operated, besides Data, was Lore. And look look what he did, you know, leaving the board, the board yeah, you have one that is cool and wants to be better for humanity. The other one is a psychopath who wants to... Well, they also you. have Soong's wife, just to throw that out there. That's true. That That's... Okay. A, that, that's but but, but, but nobody data, ever talks about that. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, just, just to data. be fair for Soong, like, yeah. there is one more. But why would you just activate him and then just kind of, like, leave him be? That's cool. Go on. But now you would go... Uh, yeah. And he's, he's a simpleton, for lack of a better expression. So yeah. he's just like, dee, dee, dee. No. You know, yeah, he's just... He's kind of... Yeah, he's kind of... He seems I was like, so confused. I'm like, this is lore. This is going to be some sort of lore trick or right. something going on here. Yeah, because... When I, I saw it, I was like, hoping, but it ended up... Yeah. yeah. I was oh, just, my I, gosh. I was looking at it. I was like, there's going to be... Something wrong, but they do not have a good success rate with activating those droids. So I so, yeah. So why would you leave it? Why would you leave? Yeah, they, yeah. Why would you leave the chance that they totally or do? Even like when he's got the the secondary like hatch on the neck, and Data's like, "What's this?" And Troy's like, "I don't know." I'm like, "Why did you activate him? He's got these ports, then you don't." And know Jordy's what like, "Oh, it's a redundant memory port. Must be because his memory crashes." Like, okay, hey Jordy, um, I think you'd be able to tell if this was installed later. Yeah, right. Wait, you're, you're, the engi- you're the engineer, right? Yeah, so, he's yeah. just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, that was, that was one thing that, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, Peter, Peter, yeah, Peter, wind it up. You go for yeah. it. Yeah, so just just on that, because it made me think about this thing. My brother and I were talking about this movie last night because I was saying how we were going to talk about today. Um, and one of the things that bothers me about this film, it, it, which actually kind of began with Generations, honestly, um, was how most of the crew kind of gets the back seat. Right. Um, so like 
Troy gets shoved into the front for like the most horrific reason. And I agree with Katie. It, I hate that scene. Um, like obviously not for the same reasons. Cause I can't quite wrap my head around all of that, but it's a terrible scene, but I'll leave that there. Uh, um, but um, like you see Dr. Crusher for all of like a minute and a half for right. most of the film. She shows up at the end, but like she's at the wedding and then she shows up in sick bay once and that's right. it. Well, um, she, she comes and chats with Picard when Picard's looking yeah, at like, her. But she's oh, like oh, barely oh, there. Like well, Dr. Crusher like, doesn't do anything. And then and, her role is to talk about, did we just lose everything again? No. no. We're, okay. we're still good. Just, I okay, I just wanted to make sure because oh, it. <laughs> Jesus, you freak me out. No, I don't have I don't have uh, any of the lines showing our sound. That sometimes goes out for me too. It's okay. it should yeah. be okay. No, I'm there I'm seeing. Uh, yeah, sorry, folks. Yeah, we're having yeah, exactly. But yes, Peter, go back to yeah, it, please. SD from system failures. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, like Crusher doesn't do a whole lot. Jordy kind of gets dumbed down a little bit. Like there's there's when he's talking about Thaleron, he's still pretty, you know, intelligent right. about stuff. But he kind of like takes a back seat on a lot of it. Um, and kind of through the TNG movies, less so with like First Contact and Insurrection. But like they kind of turned it into like just the Picard and Data show, which right, is then you. what you see when the series Picard picks up. And that's all they focus on. It was like, dude, right. there's a lot more to Picard himself and to the next generation in general than just those two. Like let's not, let's not pretend that they're not great characters. They're amazing characters, but right. there's a lot more to G than that. So that's like one thing that would really bothered me about this film. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you know, Riker doesn't really do anything. Right. Um, Besides like, be kind he, of a misogynist about a little bit. Yeah. Like, when, when I was well, again, it's his character, it's like, from my perspective, like the one thing where he steps behind her when Shinzon's there is it was more of a protective thing, but that's coming from my background. That's how I understood that gesture was more of a watch out, man. If she's not going to go up on, if she's not going to get in your face, I will. Um, that's more how I read that, but that's my read. It was kind of, um, it was kind of like the bar fight scenario. Like, Hey bro. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, like, Riker just kind of got slapped around a lot. Um, he didn't really do anything other than having that misogynistic trend, which was just weird. Right. Like, because Riker is like, he's a womanizer, but he's not like. He's not a jackass. He doesn't, jackass. Treat, he doesn't treat women disrespectfully. You yeah. know? And that's the thing is that he wouldn't really, he, I don't see him even doing that. Like, cause that kind of like coming like the bar of like being chivalrous and like, Oh, I'm going to come to her. It, like, well, part of that for me was just like, they just were married. And so he was just, they were feeling really, really connected at that point. So he was just like, uh, okay. Right. But that's kind of, cause he didn't like get fully behind her. he like took right. four steps. But Troy can also like totally handle herself. And oh, she can't any of that. And that's was yeah. the part of like, again, that's not right. Yeah. style. No, it's not. So, it yeah, was total just, agreement it, on that part. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was just weird. Um, so yeah, I didn't like how the crew was handled. Um, and then I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff about this. <laughs> it's uh, kind I mean, of, I, 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 um, all right, go ahead, please. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah. My brain is still percolating. I was just watching it just a little bit ago to try to like, look at certain things. And there's just a lot of it ha- comes for me down to how clumsily the analogies were handled. Right. Like, right. It had the bones of a good, a, well, at least a mediocre TNG episode. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, right. It, it kind of had like a nature versus nurture sort of deal. Like, that's right. kind of what they're getting at. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, we keep flip flopping how we're talking. We, we basically keep equivocating our terms. And it was, I'm a philosopher. So that was freaking driving me nuts. Oh, yes, I was like, no, no, you have to, how are you talking? You have to pick how you're talking about, how, like, Come on. Um, like, I don't know. Am I a mirror? Am I a shadow? Am I an echo? Come yeah. Right. What is it? What and Data had like a few good lines of like, you know, the, the bit that he did in stellar cartography with yeah, the card yeah. where he's, that was, that you know, I am myself. If Lore had, if not Lore, if B4 had had all of my memories, like he would still not be me. And like, right. well, yeah, obviously you're not the same person. Right. Um, but like outside of like a few gems there, like there's, there's a few like Picard lines or data lines that are like really, really good. And Shinzon has a couple good ones in there too. Yeah. But like overall the, the, they don't really, 
resolve the conundrum that they create in a way. Mm-hmm. They just kind of like, it's a thing. And then in the end, they're like, oh, well, B4 might be data again because he has all the memories. Like, that's not that's not the answer that you should have gone with, first right. of all, because that goes against what data was talking about. Right. Uh, but then you're just like, well, then Shinzon could have been Jean-Luc had his experience, has his, had his memories be different. Like, what are you trying to say? Right. And that's right. part of the question for me with this film is it, it, it gets that philosophical, that, 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 that step. It, it understands that Star Trek likes to do philosophy. And then it's just like, Hey, look, we found this cool thing. Splat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Splat. Yeah, exactly. To that point too. I almost wonder if it would have been better to have Pulaski on set versus Crusher because Pulaski was the one who had to deal with Picard's heart failure. Right. Right. He had like, and I felt like that was something that wasn't like, it's such a, that was such a critical episode for him in TNG. And there was literally no discussion about it. There was a lot of ignore. Yeah. (laughs) There was a lot of ignoring of Picard's history. I'm like, no, let's have some conversation. Like, let's hear him lecturing Shinzon, yeah. as he has lectured so many other people about the, like, you know, ignorance of youth and the, mm-hmm. you know, bravado that comes with like, ignorance. Give him a, give him a Wesley yeah. smackdown, like, which right. he does. Like, and he right. does those yeah. really, like, each in the first duty is amazing. Just make him right. do yeah. something like that. Right, right. And, and there were more than one. He did a great one. And there was an episode in season six where the ambassador who dumped all his negative emotions into a vessel and he picked oh, Troy. And then he gets in and he lectures. Bad yeah. episode. Yeah. But, but it did give us a good Picard like, well, you know, you think it's okay because your job is so important that you can just essentially dump all your negative emotions on people because it's convenient and let you do your thing. He's got the that, that great speech thing down so anyway um let me jump in i'll give my thoughts and let's bring it back and we'll have a little bit more so my biggest complaint outside of everything else that's been said and this has been absolutely great i apologize to our listeners uh for the fact that this chunk of the show missing uh i hope that this whole thing doesn't fall apart because i think we're really doing some great work but (laughs) what drives me the most nuts about this film and i was on uh, another podcast talking about this two or three years ago my biggest point was when you and i couldn't tell you without looking into it very specifically when paramount got around to saying well you know we're gonna we're gonna make a swan side for the next generation but we want to go in a different direction we don't want something quite so samey we need to find something totally different so let's hand it off to someone who's not associated with the franchise john logan uh let's let one of the one of the actors get involved in the in the writing, which I don't believe from a writing standpoint they did. Now, Jonathan Patrick Stewart Pr- was pretty f- heavily involved in Insurrection, so it's not something in the, that in, the, in, in, the in the writing part. Okay, that I wasn't so much aware well, of. I have a giant book by Michael Piller about how it was made. The so. story was developed by or was helped with um, Spiner, but from my understanding, it was mostly written by John Logan. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then Berman, of course, is the you know he is the overlord and, and gave all his right. blessings. So the 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 most famous bit and kind of where things go wrong for me is that he handed to somebody who is not at all steepled in the lore. They don't understand the characters because if you read his Bible, it's like uh, he refers in some of his notes as Jordy being an alien, or there's the fact that Worf's uh, voice seems like it was lowered by an octave, like the mm-hmm. try, he was trying to change up some fundamental things. It would be like if this film was made like they did the aliens or like they did the Klingons in the first season of discovery. Well, let's totally change the Klingons and you come back and Worf is massively different looking. And it's not to the point where between TOS and Star Trek, the motion picture where Klingons got bumpy foreheaded ridges. And then in DS nine, you ended up seeing the three original Klingons, Kor, Koloth and Kang, and they all had bumpy heads that actually, they found a way to explain that away, which was really cool. They did that through enterprise and saying the whole thing was a virus. Although and the tongue in cheek and trials and tribulations was also very, t- very tongue in cheek. <laughs> they did proceed the, the enterprise explanation. You know, my overall beef, if I was to pick a low is that ye- it couldn't have come in a worse combination because there was no period for recovery from how this ended up being. Let's hand it to an outsider who doesn't know how to write for Star Trek, doesn't understand the characters. And then it it was my feeling for this film was, was 
strengthened by what we saw, or it was deja vu by what we saw in season two of Picard. It was just, let's just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because it was, here's, oh, here's another Sung type Android and we're going to rebuild him. And it was, it was like the beginning of data lore, except for instead of lore being uh, a psychopathic genius before was a simpleton, but he was really a mm-hmm. tool that for some reason, Shinzon, who you don't ne- even really explain how he had the money and capital to rise to power because he was a war general, but then he was able to build this advanced yeah. starship. They, they had like destru- a cool commentary they could have done about a state coup d'etat dealing with like what appeared to be at surface level described by Shinzon legitimate civil rights complaints. Right. right. But then it just kind of went. Yeah. Like, and like, no. Been way more interesting. <laughs> And as as Shinzon is being like, I had to rise up to protect my people. Yeah, the Picard the conversation between him and Picard in the Romulan Senate is oh, decent. I like that. No, Picard says, but how many Romulans had to die? And I'm like, are you literally asking a slave how many of his captors had to die for his freedom? Are you, right. Are you literally siding with the oppressors right now? Right. But it was, and I'm like, I. I mean, yeah, you, you got you got our characters being written in ways that are that that defy our characters, right? right. Troy, absolute lack of Beverly, Picard, and then e- even really only Data. I mean, Picard's response in the yeah. sense that like him abhorring violence, generally speaking, it kind of makes sense. But I do right. see your point. But, but not put in the context. Why not? Yeah. How many of your people had to die? Like, well, right. many- it could have been phrased at how many had to die. For right. that, Instead like, of if you had hadn't said just Romulans, if you just said yeah. how many had to die for yeah. your goals, you found right. it would have landed better, but it would have gone across yeah. the same point. Right. right, exactly. That's the nuance of writing where it just seemed like um, they like he just did not understand what he was trying to do, or was like, no, this guy is bad regardless. Like we gave him a sad backstory, but he is evil. I'm like, no, if you give him like a nuanced backstory. That means there was some justification at some points, and that's mm-hmm. going to taint. And the way they describe the Remans, like they had yeah. every justification to do what they yeah, did, absolutely. Which, was, which is another nitpick for me. Actually, was when I when this originally came out. Um, I mean, I've always been a canon stickler. I've ever since whenever. And me too. It's but it's it's my scene. I, I I had a copy of the encyclopedia that like I slept with under my pillow. Like I'm that. <laughs> God, me but, too. Um, That's what I appreciate it's about you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, when they first introduced the Remans, like we always knew that there was Romulus and Remus. It was like, right. oh, cool reference. But then they're like, oh yeah, and then there's the Remans, and I'm sitting there going like, huh. What? <laughs> Why haven't we heard of them before? Like, and I guess. And then, and then also, like, they're still an offshoot of the Vulcans. You can tell because they mm-hmm. have like Romulan, like slight ridge and beforehead, the, and the psychic powers, and the, the telepathic qualities yeah. which they've honed. Like, right. you can tell that they kind like whoever was helping do the world building kind of understood that. Mm-hmm. But, but then but it's they, like, but, they, but then they kind of didn't. Oh, and then there's the Romulans who are going to like enslave their own. Kind of, even though they both know where they came from, like there isn't really in, like in the universe, because of how much, how little time technically has passed, and how much technology they had, and all that. Like they didn't have like the ignorance and shit like humans can use as an excuse for what happened in the past. Like it doesn't make sense for them to suddenly enslave their own people before, like, because because this would have happened before the. Uh, the mutations or adaptations would have happened to live on Remus. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how did the, like, that doesn't make any sense. You're the same species. You're well, the same people. You're in, oh. and the Romulans themselves to again, dip a little bit deeper into the can. The Romulans left their violent offshoot left Vulcan, like 2000 years prior to, to the Star Trek timeline. Yeah. Um, and then, so the Romulans landed on their planet. They started their empire and they, they, their mutations are very slight. They had no mutations in the original series, but they mutated slightly when it came to TNG. But then, yeah, like you said, the Remans, we just threw them in there and they're totally different looking and they had their, mm-hmm. their powers are more pronounced. Why? You know, but again, you're right. There's absolutely no. Yeah, it's like, I like the any, idea any of being like some sort of class struggle, but it felt like it needed to be more of a, to fit with the Romulans, you needed to have more of a clearly xenophobic motivation for it because of what we know about the Romulans 
and instead it's like, oh, well, it's the Remans who live right next to their planet, which was just very weird for me. Right. Well, and I got it as, like, they had initially set up these mines and then, like, people who had, like, broken the law or, like, it was those mines. Slavers, right. Yeah, yeah, like it was it something if you did something wrong, you got sent to these mines. Yeah, it was originally like Australia. Created, yeah, it like kind of created a caste system for those who were born in the mines and then lived there their entire lives. That's where they started developing these different traits. But also, again, it was one of those where it was like it didn't wasn't really explained. And I would I would have been much more interested in having Shinzon show up as a kind of anti-hero hero to help liberate the Remans and get right. all of that backstory and everything to show yeah, like they you had, are not like who yeah. you are set out to be. You are not destined because he was destined to be a villain. He was destined to destroy Earth. So he was just fulfilling everything that he had been kind right. of programmed to do, mm-hmm. yeah. even though he was saying he was going against it. So kind of, again, was completely counteractive to the entire kind of theme of the movie which was you can create your own destiny like he he did exactly what he was going to do anyway right just you know yep. with yeah it, because yeah he was he, yeah he was he was a clone and he was going mm-hmm. to control the federation and then the government changed and so they tossed him in the mines because he was undesirable and yada 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 and built him into this bitter backstory but yeah there was just if if i was to to, to pick a low or even to pick as we move in kind of the final portion of this kind of what its legacy to the franchise is that um this was you know when you hand the reins off to someone who doesn't really understand i won't say star trek in general though there is that aspect of it but doesn't understand the characters in particular characters that we've loved and revered and were so much more developed in the 15 year Mm -hmm. period of seven seasons of tng and then three films that preceded this one that was it was all continuous now it wasn't like tos where there there were three seasons a 10-year gap and then films be that that spanned over uh, 12 years so and, and with middling character development within the series and then middling character development certainly for the ancillary characters that happened within the films and the series where everybody in the of the seven in the tng cast and even some characters like dr pulaski and tasha yar and wesley that were in and out um, were really, really well developed. We really knew these characters. We knew what they were like. And then just, you're right, to have this film where you can tell that, you know, they're like, hey, you know, guy who's used to writing Fast and Furious movies, give us a Star Trek script. Yeah, uh, which is ironic because the guy who directed one of the Fast and Furious films directed the last J.J. movie, which was actually the only <laughs> one that quasi-watchable. But we'll be talking about that further on down the road. Um, but yeah, my low to this was, yeah, I don't know what they were smoking at Paramount to just hand over not only a film in general of what's a very well loved segment of this franchise. Um, the only, the only other segment of the franchise of the spinoffs that made it to film because it was so popular and just give it to somebody who just doesn't understand what the hell they're doing. You know, uh, that's, that's why, you know, cause again, my question to you guys would be, why do you think this film bombed as badly as it did? That, that to me, that's my answer. Didn't know the characters, and I think that Paramount just thought it was an easy cash grab. I mean, kind of like what Disney did with Star Wars with the last two Star Wars movies. Right, it was we don't need to worry about it. We just need to put out a Star Wars film. So something right. Star Wars, just like they did with the book of Boba Fett. It's going to make money. It's going to do great because it's Boba Fett, and everybody loves Boba Fett. Right. We could shit out, you know, we could put a pile of shit in the front of the camera and put a helmet on it and people would watch it because it's Boba Bo- 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 shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is the best analogy. Katie, thank you. That's the best analogy of this film I've heard. People thought, yeah, we'll, we'll take a dump and put a helmet. We'll put a dump and put a Starfleet Com badge on it and mm-hmm. stick a phaser in it. And we have, a, I mean, and, and we have some people go say, I have, you know, TNG, DS9 and Voyager, like that whole run of just like right. really, right. really well done Star Trek and, Star right. Trek couldn't lose. And, you know, the previous films had been good. Right. And then they're just like, yeah, we can do whatever. And, no, the, and, the, and then you found out that you can't. Before the fall. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So let's wrap it up. I feel like we've said almost everything. Um, <laughs> but what final thoughts do you have about the film looking at not only the legacy of TNG films, Star Trek films in general, but really in the entirety of of all of Star Trek, where, what do you think this film means to all of that? Peter. Um, hmm. I'm going to click my computer. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'll find it. <laughs> Give me a minute. This, this film, 
um, in the in the in the history of Star Trek left the franchise in a really dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, like Enterprise was just finding its feet, so Enterprise doesn't really ha- have blame here in particular. Um, but in in the mainstream of mainstream consciousness, Nemesis made Star Trek look like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it really put it backwards by a good margin, um, which is why when like I was going through like middle school, high school, like people would make fun of you for being a Star Trek fan um, Mm -hmm. because the, the idea that Star Trek was only for people who like crap came back be in part because of this film. Uh, (laughs) And it also, I think insurrection did a little bit of this, but this film for sure did it. Um, where they started to let um, the actors have more input into the story, not the character beats for their character, which is a good idea, um, but have a guiding hand in the story. And then we see that come to fruition in Star Trek Picard. And that's why we have a lot of the issues that we have. Right. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that, um, in, Nemesis did not set Star Trek up for success. It set some precedent for later bad decisions. Um, and it also made us um, look, I think it also set up set us up for the issue of looking to the past primarily. Because um, everyone looked at Nemesis and was like, well, if this is what Star Trek is going to be going forward, then we can't do this. And this is why we started to get reboots and prequels and right. all that, which is in my not so humble opinion, not a very good idea. Um, don't get me wrong. I would love to see a show set in the lost era of Star Trek between Undiscovered Country and TNG. I would love that tremendously. Mm-hmm. I like, that. Agree. I like what's going on. There's nothing, we don't know what happens there. Um, but to set things back before the original series or, you know, let's constantly bring back, if we're going to reference TNG, we have to constantly reference like season three and four. We can't actually talk about uh, the films because mm-hmm. oh, the films are bad because Nemesis, right? Um, so it really, it really, really put a bad cap on the end of TNG, which had mm-hmm. the most solid series finale of any of the shows. No, I agree. Oh, yeah, All good things is the best finale because right. it was a love letter to the show, right? Nemesis failed because it didn't understand the show, it didn't understand the characters, and it didn't mm-hmm. understand. It didn't understand its raison d'etre. Like it didn't know why it existed. Right. Um, and that very philosophical. So <laughs> that that's kind of my like final thoughts. I'm sure I'll have more if you like spark something. But like that's that, kind of my final that, thought. It, that's Peter's uh, Peter's Forrest Gump moment. That's all he's got to say about that. Did change the name of the episode to Boba uh, Zap Zap T S Zap Zap T <laughs> because that's perfect. Uh, Katie. What is the um, legacy of the of this film to the franchise? I would say, if anything, you know, I think to Peter's point, they floundered for a bit because it took them a while to understand why Nemesis failed. Because you had Enterprise come in, and then you had all of these reboots come in, and none of which were a huge success. I mean, to like, I did like the first Star Trek reboot in two thousand and nine. Um, that movie, I thought that was kind of fun. I thought I looked at it the same way that I looked at the um, what is it the first star wars movie that was awakens yeah force awakens yeah the old with the new because you had okay this is an alternate universe like i thought i'm like okay cool we yeah, can the alternate universe there. idea was fine i was okay right that. that was mm-hmm. good and i was like okay let's see where they go from there and then it just ended up being all of these really weird milk down reboots because again i don't think they understood why their movies weren't working but right. then you had them coming in with things like Discovery and Strange New Worlds, which was going back to what original Star Trek people love, which is right. the characters. Right. It's the True. antics that the characters get into. It's not so much about what they are doing as to why they are doing it and what their drives are. So again, even though the first season of Dia or of Discovery is trash, Watching the character development mm-hmm. the way that Marvel is definitely not the same person that she was in season one versus season four. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Strange New Worlds. You could never see an episode 
like we saw, you know, or a movie based on Strange New Worlds that was written that way where we never saw Chapel. Right. Or, you know, she had two lines in an entire movie because the, it is about the cast and how they build themselves together versus what's going on and how they weather that together. Right. So I think that it's, if anything, the legacy was we did get a course correction of being like, no, we have to have people who understand what makes Star Trek great to write great Star Trek. At least that's what I hope. I hope that's the reason that we're getting right. this amazing stuff. Regardless, I won't look a gift horse in the mouth. Right. Because I'm very excited about them taking this turn. Right. And I, I, your horse analogy is better than mine about the horse out the gate and then breaking all its legs. And But yes, that's kind of, that, but yeah, that is, you, you guys nailed it on the head. There's not a ton more that I can say, but yeah, I, it's a lesson that Hollywood or the entertainment industry in general just seems to fail to, to embrace when it comes to franchises is that uh, you can milk it along for so long, but it, it, it's certainly diminishing returns. I mean, if you look at I bring up the Fast and Furious again and Justin Lin, who actually directed mm-hmm. Star Trek Beyond. Those movies started out with a certain audience. It grew. People enjoyed it. And it was dumb fun, as my partner Todd Oxford loves to say. But but it's diminishing returns when you do it, no matter how you do it. So sequels will always continue to, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll peak and crest to go back down again. The obvious exception is something like this, where you, you crank out something that is so blindly disloyal to everything that people enjoys about Star Trek and Star Trek is all about characters where Star Wars is more so about action than it is about a lot of, a lot else because it's the wars versus the trek and the trek as even Gene Roddenberry has said is is the exploration of humanity through a lens of science fiction and that's not at all what this film had to offer this was a bunch of Let's see if that thing looks good if we do this thing or that or other. And this is cool. And there's a bunch of there was even lens flare when the Enterprise jumped to warp, you know, oh. or a precursor to JJ's to come, you and know, so, so it's slow motion. So, so, so much slow motion. There were some aesthetic choices in this film that were very yes. right. Exactly. Uh, it was two hours long just because there was a half an hour of slow motion. Because, and not only bad because that's corny, but but even more to people like us who really get Star Trek, it's bad because we hate to see it because it's a betrayal of what we actually enjoy, which is mm-hmm. which is the exclamation uh, of the human condition in, in a Shakespearean kind of fashion through Star Trek, which this was the exact opposite of. So, okay, wrapping it up, and this is this is only an, almost an exercise in futility. Uh, you know, one to ten um, piles of boba shit. What do you give it? <laughs> dot dot dot. Peter, go ahead. Um, compared to everything else that I've seen, because um, if I have to put on a scale, it has to compare to everything else. So we're throwing even like Final Frontier and things in there. Sure. Um, yeah, one to thirteen, thirteen films. Where do you? Maybe that's a better ranking of the yeah. Films. So this one would probably be, um, like my second or third worst, um, Star Trek film. My first one is still into dumbness. Into uh, dumbness. For the first worst. That that is that is my pick for the worst Star yeah. Trek in quotes film ever made. Right. Exactly. Um, Agreed. And final frontier is those nemesis and final frontier switch places, depending on my opinion that day. Right. (laughs) Cause they have different issues. Final frontier though, got its characters better. So I think nemesis might actually be worse than final frontier for that reason alone. I would have to, Agree entirely. I think that nails it. Yeah, where Final Frontier is not a great film, it's a much better character study, even though they throw in weird shit like, now Spock has a half-brother, and we've never mentioned it before, but okay. They still found a way in some context to make that work, where the the only thing that the three of us can agree on that worked in this film is that the, 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 the... the CGI at the beginning was cool, and then it was the cold. Open was cool. The rest of it, yeah. Then you one hundred percent jumped into a flaming dumpster of boba shit. There you go. So, yeah. Katie, any, anything to add to that thought process uh, as far um, as where you would rank it in of thirteen? I am of you know lesser lesser rank in the Star Trek fandom where I have not seen all of the movies or remember seeing all of the movies. <laughs> that, well and again I don't know quick sidebar I don't know if I told you guys this but when I got 
these six original films in 4K, which we did just recently. I said, April, let's watch one of these and see what it looks like. And I said, which one do you want to do? She's looking over and says, I don't know that I've ever watched Star Trek V. And so we sat and watched Star Trek V because I was shocked because April and I, in the nine years we've been together, have watched every episode of Star Trek, but still had missed a film. So anyway, that was my quick cipher. Sorry. Yes. Um, but I would say out of the ones that I have seen, this is definitely ranking the lowest just mm-hmm. because of, you know, it doesn't really have or the the kind of quote unquote redeeming factors that it has as far as the bones of the idea of the story mm-hmm. um, that I could maybe find interesting just were so poorly executed and its treatment of its characters were so, so poorly done. And if there's one thing that I am a stickler for and if you've ever heard me critique any of the marvel stuff on strange or on on, um sfu i don't care how you change the character's story as long as you don't change the character's heart right and that is what they were doing is they were just deeply changing the core of these characters to shoehorn them into a narrative that did not work for them right to no avail. Yes. I mean, they, they ultimately, and again, it, it happens infrequently in the entertainment industry is that you really did see audience step up and speak with their wallet yeah. and say, you know what, this thing is a turd and we're not gonna, you know, the first wave of people like Peter and myself were like, new Star Trek film, woo, walked out of the fuck, I'm not going to watch this again unless I have to. Um, Even though I still, you know, I'm such a diehard that I still did, but I knew that it was bad as I was watching it. So they got my money when I bought the DVD and then I bought the Blu-ray and then I probably bought the Blu-ray again and then I bought it on digital. And so, yeah, okay, fine. I know I have a problem. I know I have a problem. You made it so that I didn't have to buy it on digital because I just watched your digital copy. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. So we, we did. We, we, we stuck it uh, stuck it to the man. All right. Well, that is the end of uh, movie commentary for us. Um, we do have a couple of weeks coming up where we may not, in the early in the year, where we may not have uh, episodes to talk about. So we're going to, I know on the schedule we have moving on to talk about the JJ films, and we're going to kind of roll them into one big segment, super episode as it were. But also uh, there's the possibility of talking about Star Trek The Motion Picture, the director's cut 4K, which is in a lot of ways a different film uh, than was discussed in the prehistory of, of this this podcast. And the same thing with Star Trek too. So we, we may do that. It's open to discussion. Um, but starting next episode, Katie and I will embark on talking about season two of Star Trek Voyager. Um, so yeah, so we'll get back. So Peter will join us, uh, obviously, to continue to talk about Lower Decks, and then we do have Prodigy that's going to come on later this month. So we'll have that to talk about too. Um, but with that, uh, Peter, please take us away. All right. For more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grant Petoskey on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Excellent. And Peter, where do people find you out there on the medias of social? So you can find me around at Petrus Aquinas. Um, again, I don't really post or say much, but you can find me. <laughs> but when he does, it's really good. I'm so sure. Katie, how about you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at QT Geek. That is Q underscore T Geek. And that's where you can find all of my um, angry rants about, you know, comic stuff. <laughs> stuff that is comic i'm of course on twitter uh, at the c3 go ahead and spell it out uh you can also find me on most socials at that uh april and i run the uss grand petoskey which again uh is a the the preeminent michigan chapter of the international star trek fan club you can find us at a website of the same name and at socials uh of that stripe uh, i also try to fill up the uh secret friends unite Facebook community with content. So please come find us there. So friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. And wherever you go, go boldly. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.